When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we fielded readers pressing questions about everything from Mike Brown's future to Damian Lillard trade scenarios to potential draft targets. Bram, so happy to have you back on the podcast. Um, you know, it's it's been a minute, and we talked a little bit before we started recording. I miss you in my life, man. We Anyone who's listened to us on these podcasts knows we're good friends, and uh, normally we hang out on a very regular basis, but, I, you know, life has been crazy for both of us lately. I think everyone's life is getting a little crazy now that we're in the quote-unquote normal times, um, and everyone's schedule is filling up in a way that it wasn't – full it filling up in, in over a year. So I uh, haven't seen you in a while. We're going to hang socially soon, but it's good to hear your voice, man. Good to have you back on the pod. Ah, it's my pleasure to be back. And I think the best indication of how long it's been since we kicked it. So, I mean, you know, part of this podcast culture is that we'll talk before you hit record, but normally that, that talk is, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds, something you say, Hey, how's it going? Talk about topics off you go. What the audience may not know is you and I have been talking for like 15, 20 minutes. And it's just because we hadn't caught up, but we're here now. And uh, I'm fired up to talk some Warriors, man. What do we got today? We got another uh, mailbag pod. And honestly, I know I've been doing a lot of these lately, but I feel like they're just a really good way of gauging what fans are interested in and what they want to know and kind of hitting all the notes. Um, I haven't been able to write about the Warriors on a regular basis the way I, I normally do because I've been expanding my scope beyond the B and and doing other stuff to the big minor league baseball series. I have something big coming out on the Oakland roots. I'm profiling like the strongest 13 year old in the world uh, uh, who's actually an Oaklander. Um and so what? like things, things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, it's nice for me to use the podcast to, you know, hit all the notes that I'm not necessarily hitting uh, in my writing because we have Rusty Simmons, uh, my colleague, kind of doing that a lot of that for me right now. Um, Dude, how strong is the strongest 13 year old in the world? So I understand we're here to talk worse, but you've got my attention. We're talking like someone who could beat like 40 year olds in arm wrestling. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can bench hundreds of pounds. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And like, I'm going to get into the question of should we even have a strongest 13 year old in the world? I mean, uh, like, at what point is weight training, you know, unsafe for you know a, a preteen or early teen um yeah i'm not sure somebody should set out with that goal i mean just by definition you're gonna have a strongest 13 year old but i'm not sure if somebody should actually try to do it also random fact if you had given me a thousand guesses on things we might talk about during today's podcast the strongest 13 year old in the world i never would have guessed so i've nicely played man 
Thank you. Thank you. That, that's the world I live in. Just random sports <laughs> stories now, right now. Um, it's been fun though. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot happening right now with, uh, the Olymp, the lead up to the Olympics, uh, team USA, uh, tons of spec trade speculation around Damian Lillard and other guys. Um, obviously we got the draft coming up. How different is this year, man? Like remember last year we talked about the draft nonstop for months. And then this year it's like, Oh yeah, I guess the draft's going to be here in two weeks. Um, I should write about that. Um, it's so, um, our first question is from, uh, Eric and Vallejo. This was an emailed question. Um, how much of Nigeria's success can be attributed to Mike Brown's coaching? Is it time to seriously consider him as a candidate for NBA head coaching opportunities? Um, for those who've been living under a little bit of a rock the past few days, uh, Nigeria is the story of FIBA right now. Nigeria has shocked the world. They, they came out and they had a pretty convincing win over USA team USA the other night, a, a team USA team that's loaded, by the way, there's been some team USA teams in the past that, uh, you know, aren't that, aren't that stocked. You know, a lot of the big names choose not to play, but this team has uh, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Zach Levine, um, a bunch Raymond of green, Draymond green, uh, a bunch of really talented players, uh, Bama Adebayo. Um but it's 0-2 in exhibition play. After losing to Nigeria, it went out and uh, lost last night to Australia. Uh, meanwhile, Nigeria followed up its win over Team USA with a very convincing win, pretty dominant win over Argentina, which has historically been a really good international team. Um, and as, as you know, Mike Brown is the head coach of Nigeria. I'm not Mike Brown, the, the lead assistant for the Warriors. And, um, you know, I've talked to Mike a little bit over the past couple of years about this opportunity with Nigeria. You know, he obviously thought he was going to be coaching them last year in the Olympics. Um, so he's been working on, on their roster and, and everything around that for, for quite some time now. And um, I think I'm honestly not surprised that team, team Nigeria, a team that has, I think five NBA players on it, but it's not, you know, nearly as stocked as, as, as a, as a team USA uh, could come out and be kind of the story of international play. Um, and that they look, um, they look cohesive already. They look like they know what they're doing. They look organized. A lot of that is really, really has to be attributed to uh, coaching. And Mike Brown is one of the most organized coaches I've ever been around. He's a really detail oriented guy He's in charge of the Warriors substitution patterns because he is really on top of nuances and details. And he's really good at, uh, you know, not forgetting to sub a guy out and, and not, you know, forgetting anything in the heat of the moment. And uh, so I was not surprised to see Nigeria come out and look like a cohesive group um, from the start. And I really do think it is a testament to Mike Brown. I was remarkably impressed. So I agree with a lot of what you were saying. Um, the Olympic team has had stumbles in the past because they don't have any cohesion, right? We, we have likened playing basketball to playing in a band. The fact that you are good doesn't mean that you can necessarily play together. You need some time. You need some cohesion. You need to know how to actually interact. 
And so the idea that the Americans weren't ready to compete with these guys who have been practicing behind the scenes for a while doesn't surprise me. But the idea that Nigeria won surprised the hell out of me. I absolutely didn't see that coming. And you got to give credit to Mike Brown. And if memory serves, wasn't Coach Brown's name in the New Orleans gig um, a while back? So the suggestion is he's certainly still interested in head coaching jobs. And this success could propel him towards that. I mean, we're we're getting a little bit deep into the offseason. A lot of those coaching gigs have already been snapped up, but his name has to be rocketed up the list now. Just practical reality, right? Yeah, I mean, he he's a guy who I think I think that um, you know he's been mentioned in a few for a few openings in the past couple of years. Um, uh, I think he was mentioned for the the Knicks a couple years ago. He was mentioned for the Pacers and, and a couple other openings. But I don't think he's been a serious candidate for any of those openings. Um, and I think the reason is that um, he's been fired three times. And, uh, you know, there's kind of, a lot of front offices are really down on the retread hire. Um, and if you look at all the, the hires that have been made recently, a lot of them are new 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 faces, you know, guys who um, maybe don't have a lot of coaching experience, maybe were an assistant for a year or two here and there. Chauncey Billups, you know, one year with the Clippers as an assistant is now the head coach of the Blazers. Um, You know, there's, uh, you know, Steve Nash was hired last year uh, as the head coach of the Nets after only being a consultant with the Warriors. Um, And and it feels like that that's kind of how it's trending. But I think that what we're seeing out of Team Nigeria right now should be proof that someone like Mike Brown deserves serious consideration because Mike Brown, yes, he was fired three times, but if you look at his career, he got a raw deal in pretty much all of those situations. Um, He has a career winning percentage of well North of 60%. He was, he's a former NBA coach of the year. He went to the NBA finals with a Cleveland team that had a young LeBron James and pretty much no one else. Um, You know, he's always maximized his talent when he filled in, as the uh, as the head coach for the Warriors in the playoffs a couple of years ago, when when Steve Kerr had those back issues, the Warriors went eleven and zero, looked great, didn't miss a beat. Um, he is a high level coach who I think has gotten a lot better um, in the time that he's been an assistant with the Warriors. He's he's expressed to me that you know I've learned a lot from Steve Kerr because they they're very different. Uh, Steve Kerr is more of a, a big picture guy. Steve Kerr is more, um, he's a pretty lax guy who I wouldn't say is super detail oriented, but really understands like personalities and culture and uh, the bigger picture aspects of the game. Whereas Mike Brown is super OCD. I mean, he actually is OCD. Uh, he has OCD uh, and very detail oriented um, doesn't miss a beat, but that that's actually been a criticism of him a little bit in the past where it's like, dude, you're all about these 60 page practice plans with, you know, color coded, uh, you know, workouts and things of that nature, but you're, uh, you're, you're having a harder time connecting with the superstar guys, you know, cause a lot of times being an NBA coach is just about the gravitas that you carry into that locker room. Like is the star guy going to want to listen to you and want to run through a wall for you. Um, and Mike Brown never played in the league as a player, uh, was a role player in college at university of San Diego. Um, you know, 
is is kind of got to this point as a coach because he's a grinder and sometimes that doesn't um, translate in NBA locker rooms but I do think that he has enough of a body of work now and that he's learned a lot from Steve Kerr that can help him in that respect Um, and I think that he would be a great hire for any team that's looking for someone who is ready-made, you know, someone you're not going to have to bring along, you know, you, there's a lot of hires right now where, okay, we'll hire this guy, but you got to hire like a really experienced assistant who actually knows how to coach basketball. Like you wouldn't have to do that with Mike Brown. Like you hire Mike Brown, he can, he can run the ship. Um, and I've said many times, like if Mike Brown doesn't get an opportunity in the near future to be an NBA head coach again, he should seriously look at being a head coach at the college level um, because I think he would be phenomenal at that. Um, college coaches are grinders. It's more of a grind than the NBA in some ways uh, in terms of the coaching aspect. I think he'd be an unbelievable recruiter. He's a really good orator. Um, I think he'd really translate. But I know for a fact that Mike Brown really wants a head coaching opportunity, and I hope it comes soon for him. This may come as a shock, but I've never been in a Mike Brown locker room, never been in one of his huddles. I can't tell you his X and O prowess, although Nigeria win speaks for itself. But I did get a chance to see how he'd be as a recruiter or even his cult of personality. And it was with you, Connor. So a while back, you and I went to a G League game over in Santa Cruz. Um, And it was a lot of fun. We sat down close to the floor. And I don't know, a quarter in, we noticed that Mike Brown was there too. He must have been doing some scouting. And I don't know if you remember this, but at halftime, you were nice enough to introduce me to him. But Brown's a big deal in, you know, big fish, small pond. There was a lot of people who wanted to get his attention. So as we're waiting for you to introduce me, I watch other people come in and out of his orbit. And there wasn't one person, I mean, this is kind of what I like to do. I love people watching. There wasn't one person who, who talked to him who didn't immediately feel like the most important person in Mike Brown's life, even if that interaction only happened for like 10 to 15 seconds. And then he turned to the next person and that person would feel hell of incredible. And when it came to me and we, we literally just said hello, I felt important. It was like a reverse Medusa or something. You know, he looks at you and instead of turning to stone, you feel like you belong in this guy's life. So, yeah, um, his uh, success he, he has an amazing, um, amazing charisma and an amazing ability to make you feel like the most important person in the room. I remember, you know, getting to know him my first year on the beat. He was like the one coach who would actively seek me out and, 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 you know, help me out at times in terms of reporting and and talking through things. And it meant, it meant the world to me as like a cub reporter fresh on the beat, you know, surrounded by all these bigger name reporters. Um, So always be grateful to him for that. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. Next, next uh, question is from at NBA Hungry. I guess, I guess, uh, I guess we have uh, followers and listeners in uh, the country of Hungary. Um, We're international, Connor. That's how we yes. know everybody. Uh, what do you think about the quote unquote Warriors could make offers for Damian Lillard line? I think it's just for the media, and I don't think that it's serious. Thanks for your work. Keep it going. Oh, oh, I didn't mean to read the compliment, but thank you for the compliment. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so this is in reference to a, a story that uh, Anthony Slater from The Athletic wrote recently um, where he he said that, you know, the Warriors have had internal conversations about 
the potential a potential Damian Lillard deal and 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 uh and you know what they would have to do to to go after someone like Damian Lillard um and look I trust Slater's reporting on that I can tell you that the Warriors talk about everything um they talk about every iteration that could ever happen that's just part of the deal um that's part of uh the job description and uh so yes i know for a fact that they have they have had conversations internally about lillard and they're monitoring what's going on there just like they monitor what they monitored what was going on with bradley beal in washington and they're i'm sure they're monitoring what's going on with ben simmons in philly right now um but i do i do think that um that it's a storyline that's worth discussing because it does seem like Lillard is reaching a little bit of a breaking point in his tenure with Portland. And it looks like something's got to give there at this point. And I, I, uh, I think that the Warriors would be well positioned to at least be in the conversation for him. If, if Damian Lillard truly does become available everyone and their mother is going to go after him. I mean, he's a superstar caliber player who is still in his prime. Um, he's, a, I think he's a legitimate, he's a hundred percent, a top 10 player in the league. I think he might even be a top five player in the league at this point. Um, but, you know, you got to think about the package the Warriors could put together for him. I think it is enough to, have a legitimate shot assuming that Lillard is open to going to Golden State because you know ultimately I think that if, it, if that becomes a situation Lillard is going to be able to approve where he goes um, but he is an Oakland guy maybe he wants to be back in the Bay I know he has a good relationship with Steph and Draymond and those guys you know maybe he 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 wants to be back in his his home market but um, I I just I actually wonder if the Warriors should even want to do it, um, be, which isn't really the the aspect of this that's being talked a lot about. I think a lot of people are like, could the Warriors get him? And I that's a fair question. But I first you need to ask yourself, should the Warriors even want to get him? And to to get Lillard, to even get Portland on the phone, you would have to offer um, – you'd probably have to offer the 7 and 14 picks, James Wiseman, um, you know, a couple other future first round picks, which the Warriors don't have a lot of, mind you. So you'd have to, you know, those 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 future first rounders mean more to the Warriors than they, they do to maybe some other teams. And then you'd you'd also have to throw in probably Andrew Wiggins, uh, just as salary filler. Um, that's just to get the ball rolling. You know, and you might need to throw in some other assets too. Like they might ask for Jordan Poole. You know, they might because because if Portland is if Portland is willing to let go of Lillard, they're they're pretty much saying we're rebuilding, we're we're we're, we're blowing the thing up. And look, I think Lillard is a phenomenal player, borderline generational player. And I I'm from Portland. I appreciate everything that Lillard has brought to that organization and to that city, but. I don't. I question the fit with Steph um, and Clay. You 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 probably have to 
play Steph off the ball, and then you'd probably have to play Clay at small forward. Um, and then your 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 backcourt defense is borderline atrocious. I mean, Lillard is significantly worse defensively than Steph. Um, and then you know you're you're getting you have almost no youth on your team, and you're having to round out the roster with a bunch of minimum contracts. Like I'm not sure you're actually better in that situation. We've, we're seeing right now with Team USA, like having a bunch of star power is not like is not all that matters. You need the pieces need to fit. Let's see. I have so many thoughts on this subject, and let me get the first one out of the way so that I'm not distracted by it. And it's thanking you. Thank you for not suggesting that they trade Clay for Lillard. I know that you and Wes discussed it a while back. I know that, Connor, because multiple people have shot me emails and texts about how angry they were that you guys had that discussion. So we don't have to jump down that rabbit hole. I you didn't even say it out there. Look, let me, just, let me just say something about that. I wasn't <laughs> advocating that they trade Clay, okay? All I was saying was that given how much Portland values Lillard, that – if you really want Lillard, you might have to include Clay just because that's how that's the market value for Lillard. That's all I was saying. I wasn't I'm I'm personally going to go on the pod right now and say I don't even advocate for the Warriors to trade Wiggins with all those other pieces for Lillard. So, so the so rumor obviously that I don't changed. think they should trade Clay. You haven't changed your podcast to the trade clay huddle. I mean, I've just, I've heard a lot of rumors. So it's good to, to hear you dispute all of this stuff. Now I, I, to, to actually jump into the possibility of adding Lillard and I'm moving backwards. One of the things I like about this USA team, even despite their lack of success is that there's gotta be some indoctrination. There's probably some recruiting going on, right? It's not just Draymond is out there. It's, it's coach Kerr as well. And if they're getting to be around Lillard, like subtly reminding him of their titles and how fun it is to be in Oakland, I like that. I'm on board for it. Would I like them to make the move? I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. They sure as hell have to consider it. And there's a few reasons for that. I mean, the, the first and foremost is if somebody, you know, a top 15 player in the league becomes available, you got to kick the tires. I mean, just hook line and sinker you don't get those opportunities so you got to take advantage of them when they come up here you mentioned that he's an Oakland guy you know if if you look on the court he wears the number zero if you ask Damian Lillard he tell you he wears the number O for Oakland that's why he picked zero so that really speaks to me um in fact friend of the pod man uh, your and I's mutual friend Mark Medina came on our show a while back and told us these great stories about how Damian Lillard used to go to Warriors games with his dad. As a kid, they snuck in and he liked the team so much. They literally snuck into locker rooms. Um, he even gave us a story where he may or may not have left that locker room with a Troy Murphy Jersey uh, that he took out of the laundry hamper. So any, you know, top 15 superstar from the town. Am I interested? Of course I am. You know, how, how can you not? Um, and then perhaps the most important thing, it's a copycat league, right? The Warriors win it. They go to dynastic levels. What happens? Everybody adds three-point shooting. The Lakers win it before they get hurt. What happens during last offseason? Everybody tries to get big. We're all worried about front court size. If Brooklyn had stayed healthy, I think they win it easily, and I think everybody agrees with me. I think there's a real good chance this offseason the new in vogue thing is offense, 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 offense. Get superstars. Worry about defense later. Put up 150. 
Well, the easiest way the Warriors could follow that suit is Damian Lillard. So the, the package you outlined, that's a lot. That is a lot. Seven, 14, Wiseman and Wiggins. I don't know, but I tell you what, if I'm Bob Myers and I get that, I'm not hanging up. You know, it's it's going to be a sleepless night. I would be thinking about that offer for a long also, time. Also, I think people are undervaluing Wiggins. I mean, a lot of people, when we talk about these potential trade machinations, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about Wiggins, like, oh, he's just salary filler. And it's like, look, Wiggins can and maybe should be the Warriors' long-term answer at small forward. Yep. Um, he, I don't know what else he has to prove. I mean, he had the best season of his career this past season. He's buying in defensively. He's, you know, a borderline. He played at a borderline all-defensive team level this past season for a guy who, at one point, was the subject of a 538 article. Um, was the subject of a 538 article where they called him the worst defender in the league, and he was shooting the most efficient. Uh, numbers of his career and uh, you know really understands like how to be a complimentary piece to Steph and and you know can kind of has enough can kind of be that go-to guy when nothing else is going right with that second unit and I I personally think that he'll be even more of an asset for the Warriors when Clay comes back because um, he'll have even more room to operate and you know he'll be one of the most overqualified uh number three options in the nba um and so i i would think long and hard before i package him in any deal and and the truth is you know to get one of these superstar guys you're gonna have to let go of you're almost gonna have to let go of 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 wiggins just to make the the salaries match and um that's why I'm of, of the mind right now where it might make more sense for the Warriors to make a, a smaller deal um, that includes Wiseman and the draft picks, you know, if they can do that. You know, I don't know if that's moving up in the draft to, to get the number two or number three pick. Um, I don't know uh, if that's, you know, going after um, kind of a second tier star player in the league but um i'm more interested in that i think you can get like a difference making player who's not lillard caliber player um and also be able to keep wiggins the do you remember the conversations you and i and most people were having during last offseason about wiggins before clay got hurt you know we kept talking about expectations and what he was asked to do and then what he will be asked to do as the third option and how perfect it'll be and what an opportunity and you know that this guy is going to absolutely be the small uh, forward of the future and then what happens he has a great year he has a great year you know clay gets hurt we didn't get to see him in that role but he did everything we wanted him to do now we go into this offseason clay is coming back we should be even more excited about what Wiseman, what Wiseman, what Wiggins can do now that he has another year of experience in his belt and showed us how good he could be. So the concept of him just being trade filler, you're right. It's it's ridiculous. He is a real asset. And if what I'm talking about is following, um, you know, the copycat lead angle that I was talking about with Brooklyn. Well, another team they may want to copy is Phoenix. And the one person we can say who's unquestionably contributed to their run is DeAndre Ayton. He shows us that big men matter. Wiseman could become a real asset. So, yeah, the, this trade package, you know, that's 
there's a reason why Portland wouldn't hang up. It's because we're offering them a ton as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, and the truth is like how many times have we had conversations on this podcast about potential things that could happen and none of them have happened. Yep. Um, the odds of this happening are, I wouldn't say zero, but they're definitely, definitely way below 10%, um, probably below 5% chance. Um, the next, the next question is from at SG number two, W A U G H. I don't even know how to pronounce that. So I was following that. Um, why haven't the Warriors cut Smiley Gates? Can't, can't believe they are gain, guaranteeing his salary. Do they really think he'll be an NBA starter someday? Um, first of all, um, they aren't guaranteeing his salary right now. Uh, the They have until August 6th, I believe, is the date with him. Um, if he's on the roster August 6th, sixth his contract for next season is guaranteed if he if they waive him before that timetable they are not out any extra money and so i i think honestly with situations like this that are where where the roster is really fluid and things like that you want to um you want to be uh, you want to wait as long as possible. You want to be as patient as possible. You want to see the roster come together as much as you can before you make any other roster decisions. And so I expect them to waive Smiley Geach sometime close to that August 6th date. Um, I think they're just waiting to see who they draft and, and who, and who, you know, maybe they sign in for agency Free agency starts August 2nd, I believe. Um, and so I think that's that's really all it is. But I do think that the expectation internally is that he will not be on the roster next season. I've already, we've already seen reports that Red Star, Belgrade, and some other teams overseas are are, are gauging interest and in reaching out to Smiley Geach because the assumption league wide is that he's not going to be not just on the Warriors next season, but he's probably not going to be in the NBA next season. Um, and so he could he could do worse than going and signing a seven figure deal in his hometown of Belgrade and being a, you know, averaging, you know, 15 to 20 points on his local team, you know, that there are worse worlds to have, um, especially for a guy who was in the Serbian third division a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I, I don't think he's a part of the Warriors future plans. And I don't think you should read too much into the fact that he's still on the roster right now. Alan Smilajic has already made more money playing basketball than I will probably ever make in my professional life, right? So he has been a rousing success regardless of what I say next. But I'll also add this, Connor, right now, I am holding a Pilot G2 pen. It's a black one. Here's why I'm telling you. I had to bet $1,000 on whether or not this Pilot G2 pen would be in the NBA next year as above Alan Smilajic. I might take it. I feel like this pen has the same chance at being a professional basketball player in America next year. So no, I am not counting on Island or Allen being back and we don't have to look too far. You know, the last 20 games of the season, the Warriors had eight guys. It's an eight man roster, you know, that they were running on fumes. They needed every single fresh leg they can get, you know, which fresh legs didn't find themselves on the court. Smiley each. I mean, I, I think unfortunately his course is run here in the Bay. 
Yeah. Um, so our next was that question, pen thing too hard? Do you think? I mean, I, I I was proud of the line, but I felt like it was kind of an fu, and I've got no. I loved it. Alan. I loved it. I I'm sorry. I should have given you more love on that. I just was getting <laughs> a little excited about the next question. I apologize. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, next question is from um, at Drewski SF. Who's your favorite pick at number seven? Would you trade that pick for one of the Spurs young players, White or Murray? Um, Interesting. Uh, I don't know why I haven't really heard the Spurs thing mentioned before. I, he, the way he said that so confidently in his tweet, it made it sound like that was something that's been discussed a lot. Um, Is that actually Greg Popovich? Do you know if Greg listens <laughs> to the show and does he have an in? Um, yeah. So I've been spending a good amount of time kind of trying to study the guys who would be available at seven four, to 14 and it's super fluid in that range. Um, and first of all, I don't think plan A or even plan B is to keep the pick. Uh, but if, if they do keep the pick, um, I think that they need to take someone who can help them right away next season, um, but also has at least a chance to be a superstar caliber player. Um, and, um, and to me, that guy who fits that bill the, the most is James Booknight out of uh, UConn. Um, he's a shooting guard. He can get buckets. He, uh, you know, sh- shot relatively well from, from the field last season. Um, not, not so much. He's not really a great three point shooter, but he is really good at slashing and getting out in transition and, um, kind of has a lot of what, uh, you, you see from like Anthony Simons, uh, with Portland right now, he's like young and, and, and still relatively raw, but has a lot of the instincts um, to be a great scorer in the NBA. Um, and I think he is athletic enough and has a good enough size where he can be uh, a good defender as well. Um, and so I, I think that he'd be someone that you could draft at seven and could come in and be like a top eight rotation guy for you and be, uh, you know, a, somewhat of a go-to option off the bench, you know, to kind of pair with Jordan Poole. Like it could be kind of the, the fire and ice type situation in that second unit. Um, so that's the kind of the guy I've, I've kind of highlighted and circled. Uh, you know, these other guys that have been mentioned in that range, you know, a lot of, there's been so much talk about Davion Mitchell out of Baylor. Um, and I like him. I like the fact that he's a winner. I like the fact that he is, a great defender. Um, but I don't think he has the ceiling that, that someone like book Knight has. And, uh, I think that his ceiling, I think that Mitchell's ceiling is probably just like a solid rotation guy in the NBA. And I think that, um, book Knight at worst will be a solid rotation player in the NBA, but I think he legitimately could be an all-star guy potentially. I'm not saying I expect that I'm saying he has that chance. And so I would rather take book Knight. Um, given the fact that, you know, you do have to think a little bit about the post-Curry era. I wouldn't trade the picks for the Spurs young guys. I think there's a reason we haven't heard that before, but it's an interesting suggestion. Who I would take at seven, I'm not sure. You know, so, I mean, you're right, man. You look up six mock drafts, you'll get six different orders from seven through 14. And one of the people who is rocketing up boards everywhere is Boot Knight, exactly what you're talking about. Um, Davion Mitchell is also the guy who you see most uh, 
likely to end up in Golden State. All the mock drafts kind of suggest he's going there. And I like his nickname, if nothing else. Off night kind of speaks to me, and I like his championship experience. One of the guys I'm hoping who might slip, and the chances of this happening are very small um, because his name was involved in those top five for as long as everyone has been talking about this draft, but it's Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, recently, I've seen Kuminga drop as low as six, and I have also spoken to people who told me that the Thunder aren't a big fan of Kuminga. So if Scotty Barnes moves up, goes to five, Kuminga drops to six to OKC, and OKC passes on him, I can see a world where he lands in Golden State, both upsides and downsides to that. I think his talent level, I'd love to add that kind of a ceiling. But just like we saw with Wiseman, there's a problem with adding a young player who you have to develop to this roster because they're not currently set up to give that guy the time to figure out who he can be. So yeah, that you you bring up an interesting point there. Um, I I kind of have been hearing the same thing. I I would not be surprised at all if Kaminga fell on draft night. I, he he has a lot of kind of the the trademark signs of someone who who would fall, um, and I think that he is a little bit more of a project than people are initially thought. And he, people, a lot of teams early in that lottery aren't very comfortable with that. He yeah. did not shoot well at all in the G League bubble. Um, he kind of regressed over the course of the G League bubble. Um, but look, this guy has all the tools to be a superstar. Um, he just needs to be in a situation where he's going to be put in a position to succeed and given maybe a little bit of time. Does he fit exactly the Warriors timeline? No, but if he does fall to seven, it'd be really hard to pass on. Absolutely. I mean, it's, if the Warriors had a top four or five pick, I don't think you can do it. I understand why he's moving down. There's too many other people whose skill sets are set up and you know exactly who they're going to be, but at the seven slot, that kind of a lottery ticket, that kind of an upside, I don't think you pass. I do think it would be, you know, well, we'll if, if this happens and this would be one of those good problems to have. But if he ends up in Golden State, there's going to be all types of podcasts, uh, both before and during the season when we're bitching about Kerr's inability to develop him. But like I said, good problem to have. Uh, we'll, we'll save that conversation and that rabbit hole for the future. Yeah, and and uh, we got a we got I got a couple other questions for the mailbag, just basically asking me like who is like the, the sleeper pick, and for me it's it's Alperin Sangoon. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right out of Turkey. Um, I think he's a guy who, if the Warriors go after someone like Kaminga at, at seven, they should take someone like Sangoon at at fourteen uh, because he already has played at a high level in Europe, put average around 20 points per game in a really good league in Turkey. Uh, 19-year-olds have never done that before in that level, um, at, at in Turkey at least. I know there's the Luka Doncic of the world, but what he did was really, really special. And so I think he's a name that's also rising on draft boards, and I think the Warriors uh, would be really smart to give him a hard look. I haven't heard of him, but I trust your research on that. I'm, I'm on board. I mean, that, that 14 slot, I've heard Kispert. I've heard some other guys uh, with how fluid this draft is. And I think it's going to be the kind of thing, let's see who's available then and then make a game time decision, I guess. 
Graham, thank you so much for joining back me back on the podcast. I really, I really appreciate it. I know our listeners and readers do as well. Uh, where can where can we find your pod? Um, I know, I, I know, uh, I'm a big fan, and, and everyone should be checking it out. Yeah, if you're looking for me digitally, you can find us on all places podcasts are played. The uh, podcast is called Warriors Huddle, just in case you haven't had enough of me during this episode. And if you're looking for me personally, I'm actually going to be touring Oakland looking for 13-year-olds to beat in strength contests. So, I mean, I'll be all around, nowhere specific, but yeah, you'll, you'll hear about me for sure. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. Always love catching up with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 